Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is the place where Anna and I talk about how to build your accounting firm in a way that is healthy and sustainable so that you can focus on doing meaningful work with exceptional people. Today, we are going to talk about one of our favorite tools, the working genius. Anna, do you want to give us a high-level overview of this tool? Yeah, I would love nothing more. We talk about this tool all the time and use it all the time. And we reference it in the episode where we were talking about our leadership retreat. And so we thought it might be good to go a little bit deeper into what the heck we were talking about with that tool. So the Working Genius was made by the Table Group, the same organization that does a lot of cool things. The CEO, Pat Lincioni, wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and lots of other things that have been really helpful in that organizational health space. And they came up with an assessment called The Working Genius. And it's really evaluating the type of work and, and putting the work that it takes to get from start to finish on sort of any kind of project, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, or what, whether you're just trying to you know, launch something in the world. And it also connects that to the kinds of work that you might be best suited for. So there are six types of working genius, and I'll go through them briefly and then kind of talk about the model as a whole. So the first type is wonder. And that is just the natural gift of being able to think about potential, to, you know, ask really good why kind of questions, you know, why do we do it that way? Or like, is there a better way of doing things? So those kinds of people that have great, thoughtful questions and always seem like they're thinking about something really deep, that's probably somewhere in that genius of wonder. The next is invention. And that is creating original ideas or solutions, people who like to problem solve. So people who, you know, you're barely finished telling them a problem and they've already got five ideas on how you could solve it. They <laughs> probably have that, that genius. The next is uh, discernment. So it's those people who are really intuitive. They have a good gut. You know, they, they ask really good questions, not like what if we did things differently, but if we do it this way, here's some potential that might happen. How do we want to handle that? You know, more deep in, I'm going to take your idea and evaluate it and see if it, you know, is something we should do or if we'll all die if we do, maybe not that one. Uh, So those are people you definitely want to have around. The genius of galvanizing, that is those people who can rally the troops, who can get people together and excited about an idea, who can like cast that vision of, hey, everybody, here's where we're going. Let's all get there together. And so bringing that kind of energy and and like, let's go do the thing, uh, that's going to be our galvanizers. The next is the genius of enablement. And so those are really those people who are going to come alongside and help actually get the thing done. So all of this is is going to go in sort of a sequential order. So this is that point at which we've already kind of figured out what we're going to do. And we need some people to help us actually do it. And so that's that that genius of, of being able to support others, being able to effectively collaborate and cooperate to get things moving forward. And then the last one that will resonate with a lot of you is the genius of tenacity. <laughs> and that is checking that box. That is getting the the ball into the end goal zone line sports ball. You did great. Uh, Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Nailed it. Hit the nail on the head. (laughs) That one. You know, those people who love to make sure we got things all the way over the finish line, that's going to be tenacity. What accountants will enjoy about this tool is that all of the words together spell widget. And accountants love widgets (laughs) so much. But that's really the order that we do work in. If you're thinking Mm -hmm. about launching a new project or initiative, you know, asking good questions, coming up with an idea, evaluating that idea, getting the team excited about that idea, having people help you start to move it forward, and then actually getting it over the finish line. So that's that wonder, invention, discernment, galvanizing, enablement, tenacity, widget. (laughs) It's pretty handy that it is actually an acronym for something functional. And it's really nice that it's something that actually resonates in the accounting community because we'll totally use that. (laughs) 100%. One of the things that I really like about this model is it's not 
quite about what you are good at because you can be good at stuff that is in your working frustration. It is much more around the kind of work that brings you joy, that brings you energy, that makes you feel like work isn't all that worky. It's it's the thing that makes you feel like you're meeting your purpose, you're meeting your fulfillment of like all of the potential that you could bring to a company. And so I love that it's a distinction. It's not so much around your skills. It's not so much around like, what are you able to do? But it's what do you love doing? What part of work, what part of change management, what part of progress at a company are the parts that you're not just good at, but like that you just get excited to do that, that again, like don't feel like work. And I think that's one of the best ways to describe this because it doesn't put a value judgment on any of them. There's not any one that's better than the other. There's not any hierarchy to them. There's not any kind of, you know, value system around it. It's just, what do you love to do? And how can we make sure that you're doing that kind of work? The majority of the time and the stuff that you don't love to do and is frustrating for you that you do as little of that as possible. It'll never be zero. So yeah, everyone will get their heads around that one. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and you brought up a good point in this that in talking about working frustration. So the way that the model is built is there are six things and two of them will be your working genius. So the two areas where you get the most joy and energy and fulfillment in doing these kinds of work. Two of them will be your working competency. So it feels neutral to do this kind of work. It's not draining. It's not extra fulfilling. It's just sort of fine. And then two of them will be your working frustration, which is work that when you do it for too long, you feel tired, you feel drained, you feel like, I don't love this. And while <laughs> we all have to do some things in each of those areas, the more that you can orient the role that you have towards spending more time in the kind of work that you love and less time in the kind of work that feels draining and feels, you know, it doesn't recharge you, then the more enjoyable work work is and the more likely you will want to do it and and the more valuable that the work that you do likely will be because typically if you enjoy the work that you're doing you're going to put a little more into it than if you're doing work that you hate because you have to you might not necessarily yeah, even without knowing it go that extra mile yeah 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 you might not even be aware that you're not either it's it's subconscious when we're enjoying something, there is something better that comes as a result of it. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I've noticed that even in making this podcast or in creating anything that we create, when I'm having a good time, when I'm enjoying it, when I'm sitting in my sweet spot for work, I it does not feel like a burden to do it. It doesn't feel like a trudge. It almost feels like time flies. And that is such a nice feeling to have at work, especially when it rarely feels like that. Anna, uh, what is your working genius before we get too deep into the weeds about this? All right. My working genius is invention and galvanizing, which I don't think will be that surprising to Not anyone who's ever interacted with me in real life. I <laughs> love coming up with new ideas and I love getting other people excited about my ideas. And Jill, when you share your working genius, I think it's going to make a lot of sense why we work so well together. Totally. Yeah. So my working geniuses are actually the two in that first four that you don't have. So I have discernment as my working genius and wonder. So I'm really good at and really enjoy asking those why questions like, why do we do it this way? Is there a better way we could be doing this? Or asking if, you know, things are going the way that they ought to or whatever. So that wonder is definitely those big picture dreams are absolutely part of what I enjoy doing at work. But the discernment is just my favorite because I am not a good ideator. I do not come up with a lot of ideas or I'm not an inventor at all. And so when I get to evaluate someone else's idea, it felt like I was part of it without actually having to come up with the idea. So it works out really nicely. So I have W, you have I, I have D, and you have G, which works out great. It just means we need some ENT on our team. And guess who's great at ENT? Most accountants bookkeepers. and bookkeepers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Enablement awful. tenacity. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say it pre pre Jill and uh 
like, you know, in the before times, I, one of the real downsides of, of being an inventor galvanizer is without someone there to discern, the ideas can get galvanized and like, let's go do them without really fleshing out whether that's a good idea, a now idea, like something we even should be doing or just a distraction. And so it was like I was playing chess with myself and like there's no <laughs> one to play with. Like I need someone to say no, to know that when it's a yes, it's a good yes. Like that yeah. is something we ought to be doing because someone who's really good at evaluating ideas is going to catch that before we start getting anybody excited about doing anything. So I think that has been like a huge game changer for, for me. Yeah. Like it's no fun to invent alone. No. And it's no fun to invent to people who are just going to say yes, that your idea is great because they didn't have a different one. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But like, there's a step that we're missing. And I, I think, I definitely think that I add to that process of change management with my ability to discern. But I will say on the flip side, as a wanderer discerner, those tend to be the more negative ones perceptively, like to, to other people's perception, it, it's quite negative to say, is this the best way we could be doing this? Should we be doing this better? Like all of those wonder questions are like, if you work at a very like institutionalized company that has a lot of like infrastructure frameworks or like that is, is really solid in what they do and they've always done it this way, it is a very frustrating experience to work at that place if you have wonder because they are not interested in wondering about this is the best way. They are interested in continuing to do it how they've already assessed is the best way to them as of whenever they decided that. So like that wonder has never been valued at a company ever before I worked at a crew. And then the discernment tends to be the one that feels really bad to people who are coming up with ideas because I'm just like, no, not that one, not that. Here's the whole I see. And it's not quite like that because we're on the same team, but it can feel like being shot down on a regular basis, yes. especially if the ideas aren't good. Yeah. So like, well, especially if there is a hole to poke in them, it can feel really frustrating and discouraging for someone who's actually inventing. And then for me to just pew, 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 shoot them all down, it's frustrating. <laughs> well, and I think what people typically tend to do to a discerner is go, then you come up with an idea. You hate all these can't. ideas. <laughs> you come up with something. And it's like, well, that's not my skill set. I just know those are all bad ones. And I could tell you why, which is helpful, right? Oh, it doesn't feel helpful. Oh, cool. It okay, then I'm gonna stop discerning. Yes. Yeah, it it tends to get discouraged when you say, "Well, then you come up with something," because I can't, I can't, and I won't, and I'll be miserable trying because it's not my working genius. So, like, I think that's a really helpful reframe for some of these things because invention, coming up with new ideas, is universally accepted as a good thing. If you can come up with ideas, a million ideas for any number of problems, like you will be valuable at a company and it will feel valuable to that company to have you on the team. Similarly, I think if you have galvanizing and you can get people on board, it is easy to see that as valuable at a company. Whereas if you're a tenacity person and you're just waiting till someone hands that to you and you're going to push it across the finish line, it doesn't always feel the most effective to the company because yeah, we already did all the hard work. Like you just pushed it across the finish line. That's the easy part, but it's like, yeah, that's the easy part for someone who enjoys it. It's not the easy part for people who it's in there. It's so hard for me. It's so hard for it's me so hard to for get me. stuff done. Yeah. I feel like the worst accountant because checking boxes doesn't bring me joy and energy. It just feels like, mm -hmm. oh, good. The pain can stop. I checked the box, which in the early days when I was trying to figure out why I wasn't necessarily fulfilled by doing the technical work, I just assumed it was because I wanted to be a firm owner. And so I, you know, I had that trajectory of like, oh, maybe I want to go in this next step of going from being a technician to being more of a business owner. 
but it's actually because that kind of work doesn't bring me joy and energy. At the beginning, it felt like projects and it felt like I could invent and figure out new ways to do things. But then once we got into routine maintenance, I just got bored. Like it mm -hmm. wasn't enjoyable or fulfilling. It was just like, okay, doing this again. Whereas there are people on our team that love nothing more than doing this again. And if I was like, hey, stand in front of a whiteboard for like eight hours today, come up with 10 ideas, they would be like, I quit. That's it. <laughs> That's, this is where you've lost me. And so what I really love about this model is, is like what you said, it doesn't value one kind of work over another. It doesn't say mm -hmm. these are the important kinds of work and then these are the other kinds of work. And that um, it gives you a framework to talk about these kinds of things without it feeling personal, without it feeling like I'm critiquing you, which I imagine in places you've worked before where you had discernment, but you didn't know that that's a thing we're calling this. You know, how mm -hmm. can you say this is a value I'm bringing to the table to shoot down all your ideas because they're bad, like without <laughs> some kind of a framework to describe this as being something you might want? Yeah, I think if you can actually conceptualize this as a benefit, it is really helpful. It's hard to do that without a framework. But even if you can take the idea of shooting down ideas or discerning as a benefit in that, like you will save all of the cost of doing something poorly in just taking a little bit of extra time to think about it well before you actually implement anything, it saves a lot of time, effort, energy, and dollars for a firm to have discernment on your team and to make time to do that kind of work. So yeah, it's 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 really helpful for reframing some of these things as both positive and having downsides because everything is. Every skill that you bring to the table, every decision you make in the world, everything has costs and benefits. And so when you take a look at this model and you see your working genius and you see your working competency and you see your working frustration, it's just a way to conceptualize how you will be energized. And, and so there, there are quite a few things that we really like about this model that we can dive into. But I think one of the, the best things about it is how simple it is. It is short to take the assessment. It is easy, low time investment, low cost. It's not a big deal. And it was so easy to start doing with our team. Um, and it's really simple enough to understand without being in it all the time. I think Myers-Briggs or, or disc assessments are hard for me, for my brain to catch up because I don't think about it all the time. And it's much more complex. Whereas the working genius, it's quite simple. It's widget and you have all of them in one part or another. So it's either in your genius, your competency, or your frustration, but you have all six somewhere in that scale. And so it's so easy to keep it top of mind so that when we need to bring it up in a conversation, it's a it's a quick shorthand for us internally, which is quite nice. Yes. What else do you, do you like about it, Anna? Well, I really like that it is humanizing. Everyone mm. has two things that bring them joy and energy. Everyone has two things that are fine and neutral. And everyone has two things that are frustrating. Because I yeah. think when you see someone, and I think invention is, is a good example, not just because it's mine, but it, I think it's a good example <laughs> of the kind of thing that you see and it seems like magic. It's someone just coming up with an idea and it seems like, oh my gosh. And so it's easy to see that and not see that there are things they suck at. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to see things other people are great at or that they're really like bringing tons of value. And it's easy to see the areas where you, you know, it's easy to, to compare yourself to that and go, well, I couldn't do that. And it's like, but they can't do this thing that you're amazing at. Everyone has those trade-offs. So there's no amount that someone being good at something is going to diminish someone else because they're great at something else. And and yes, it's not just about things you're good at. It's also about the work that brings you joint energy. But I think there is a lot of overlap to work that you have an aptitude for and work that brings you joint energy. You might be Definitely. good at things in your working frustration, but you almost certainly are good at the kind of work that is in your working genius. You probably wouldn't have, have answered that as your working genius 
if you weren't good in, in some way at, at doing that. So it's easy to see other people having strengths that you don't and, and just compare that. And But this model being everyone has all six. They're just ordered in a different way. It also makes it easier to remember because everyone has mm -hmm. all six. Some models, it's like you're these four letters or these three colors out of 50 other things. And it's like, well, I'm going to remember mine because I'm <laughs> self-obsessed, but I'm not going to remember anybody else's. So this isn't going to be a helpful model to interact with anyone else except to tell them mine. Like it just like, yeah, I like that this model is helpful in if I know what someone else's is that lands and translates, I will remember it most of the time. Like, so it's, it's a little easier to use in real life mm -hmm. than some of these that seem like a good idea and I'm never actually going to use them. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think the more complex it is, it, not only is it the more like time and energy and cost intensive it tends to be, like those are those are pretty correlated, but it it is much less functional in that it is not easy to be able to grasp where other people land on that scale. And and we tend to be self-obsessed humans as most people are. Like we're interested in ourselves and moderately interested in each other, but not enough to retain a very specific combination of letters or a number or something like that that's like supposed to tell me something about you it's just tough to keep track of that i love that there are six i love that it's straightforward yes so i think talking also about some of the ways that we use this is helpful because how do you actually even apply this in a company one of the ways that you don't apply it in a company is with hiring no. don't use it to hire don't do that that's against the law <laughs> we don't and i'm glad that we don't because it's not as though we're hiring based on what we need. We're hiring based on who you are and what we need and what you're bringing to the table. We're hoping aligns, but we're going to assess whether you're bringing what we need to the table without it being a personality assessment. So no amount of this goes into our hiring process, but as soon as someone is onboarded, we start talking about this with them so that they can get a sense of where their working genius is. And, and so it's part of our onboarding process with new team members who we have already decided to hire. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things I want to make sure is clear, like you can't use personality tests or any kind of assessment like this to hire. It is uh, basically, uh, seen as discrimination. And so like, it's not a good way to assess. And the other thing is, I think, you know, people aren't always realistic, especially when they're looking for a job, it's always best foot forward. And what's this job it's accounting. So I'm going to make sure I put tenacity on there and I'm going to make sure I put enablement on there, even if that's not who I am. And so I think it tends to be harder to be, accurate about yourself if you're trying to get a job. So it's not even going to be functional in a hiring process. Just don't do it. Yeah. How else do we use this, Anna? <laughs> well, one thing I do like about that in, in the onboarding process is that a lot of people have already taken something like Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder or DISC. And so this is something that isn't as widely used. And so most people hiring in and taking that then learn something about themselves. And one of the yeah. things that we say is that we want everyone to be better for the time that they have spent here. Any person who works at a crew, we want them to be better as a person for the time that they've spent here. And so right out of the out of the gate, you know, getting to learn something about yourself and the kind of work that brings you joy and energy. I think that's probably pretty helpful in your life to have that awareness of the kind of work that will best suit your fulfillment and finding meaning in your life. Hopefully that yeah, can you imagine? Hopefully it lands that way. <laughs> I, I think that's the intention. So <laughs> That's one piece of it I really like. When we are introducing a new team member uh, for the first time in our all team meeting, we have everybody change their Zoom name to be there too, Working Genius. And then we have that team member share theirs and share anything maybe that they have learned. And it starts to create just an open dialogue about what each of us is is naturally you know gifted in and has an affinity towards and how that's different and how we celebrate the differences because it means that each person is bringing something unique to the table each combination of that is going to have a different perspective on things and is going to bring like really interesting thoughts or ideas or questions or 
comments to, to any conversation. So I like that it's a way of celebrating us being different without it, again, without it feeling weirdly personal or intrusive, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, this is, this is the six options that we're all choosing from. And so you're sharing <laughs> something about you, but it doesn't have, it's, it's not like, you know, share all about your, you know, your life growing up or tell us about your family the first time I meet you or, you know, like we're not going really <laughs> deep into like personal, like, tell me about all your childhood trauma. You know? <laughs> it's like, Tell me about We're not trauma bonding post onboarding. <laughs> uh, that's not. I hope not. A thing. I think we're well. I'll check with HR. I think we scratched that from the onboarding checklist. <laughs> <laughs> trauma bonding? Question Cross mark? off trauma. Nah. <laughs> Question mark. That idea got discerned. I got shot down. <laughs> no trauma bonding. Turns out it's a bad one. <laughs> So we don't use it that way, um, you know, but it, it does feel like something you can share without without being asked to overshare so soon. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that feels like it helps people get to know you without it being too intrusive. You know, as you're feeling us out, we're feeling you out, we're building trust. You know, here's some lower stake ways that you can share something about you and we can feel like we know you as an individual. So I really like that. It also really helps us in collaborative meetings, I think, especially like yes. who else might we need to bring into this room so that we're we're getting the right perspectives for whatever stage of work we're at. If we're throwing yes. spaghetti at the wall, we're going to bring different people into that room than when we've already discerned an idea, we're ready to launch, let's bring a few people in to figure out the best way to start executing on this. That's going to be a totally mm -hmm. different group of people. So that's totally. really helpful to be able to to just say like, "Hey, Jill, like I could use your discernment on this. Can you can I run something by you?" Like we use those terms. It probably sounds mm -hmm. super cultish at this point. Like it <laughs> I'm probably sure. sounds like, "Oh, they have their own secret language now." Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> this is where I work. You know, but we will just use the terms in regular conversation. Like, "Amy, I love your galvanizing. Go do that." business owners, we hope our podcast has given you some great ideas on how to elevate and grow your business. Maybe you've even started to implement some of those new ideas, but we know from experience that turning ideas into reality can feel overwhelming. That is where Polaris Leadership Consulting comes in, your partner in propelling your business forward. I'm thrilled to introduce you to our colleague, Phil, and his team at Polaris, who are experts in untangling the challenges of running your accounting firm. Imagine a smoother company culture, an effective and collaborative team, and yes, even a chance to actually enjoy a vacation without your phone constantly buzzing. Living the dream, right? Polaris specializes in helping you make those dreams a reality. Stop worrying about processes that break, missing deadlines, taking stress home with you, and always working on vacation. Polaris Leadership Consulting will help you transform your ideas and ambitions into manageable actions and guide you every step of the way toward building a healthy and sustainable firm. We've worked with Phil personally, and I can tell you that he will come alongside and be your partner in progress. He and his team are not just consultants. They're collaborators dedicated to your growth with a track record of turning struggling firms into success stories. Success isn't a destination. It's a journey. Polaris Leadership Consulting is here to navigate it with you. To find out more about Phil and his team, go to withpolaris.com or click the link in the show notes and start the conversation toward achieving your goals today. I think the other thing that this benefits is it gives emotional freedom to the people who have working geniuses that tend to not be valued. I mean, I know I'm I'm hitting on this, but I think a lot of times in a traditional work environment, the the kind of work that is valued is going to be obvious, but you need 
every piece of this in order for a company to work effectively. Any one piece that's missing means that you have a huge gap that's going to cause problems. Like it, it doesn't matter which one, any of them, you don't have that filled on your team. You're either going to have to borrow that skill from someone or that joy or, or, you know, lean on your reserves of energy to, to make it happen. Or you need to fill that gap because it's going to be really hard to make the right decisions, to lean the ladder against the right wall, to climb the ladder and to get that ladder pulled up on the other side and over the wall or whatever our goal is to actually accomplish the goal that we're trying to achieve if you don't have each piece of this. I think it's in being able to value people differently in different ways in the and what they're bringing to the table and what gives them joy and energy. I think it's similar. It, there's a parallel between when feedback or advice is given versus when it's asked for. So like it makes it so innocuous if you can ask or like neutral, if you can just ask for feedback when someone gives it, it feels different. If someone is volunteering feedback to you and you did not ask for it, you will feel different about that. And I think similarly, this just gives us that shorthand, that quick shortcut to say like, this is where you're valuable or these are the things that you're bringing to this table or this is what I need from you in this moment. And it makes it really quick and easy to be able to pull what someone is needing from you and just be able to make progress quickly as opposed to trying to have the whole conversation and give the whole context. Like you kind of don't need to, you can just shorthand it and go, okay, I need some discernment right now. What do you think about this? And then that person knows what you need and you know what you're getting from them and it makes it so neutral. So I think the way Way that it allows us to talk to with and about our team is phenomenal. And I, I don't think it can be overstated in terms of being able to quickly make progress on collaborative conversations. It also makes it so much easier to delegate um, certain yes. types of work, knowing that it's going to be more in line with one person's working genius over another. Yeah. I, I mean, something as stupid as like taking notes in a meeting, which also you could use an app for that. But like, you know, maybe you want to take <laughs> very specific types of notes. It's not just going to go to the person with the lowest seniority or to the mm -hmm. person with the, I don't know, nicest handwriting. I, like, I don't know. Like it's, it's <laughs> going to go to someone who maybe is great at enablement or tenacity, or maybe depending on the type of meeting, we're going to have someone with discernment do that. So they can really figure out what is the most valuable to note or, or go do at the end. It could also be different people are taking different parts of that meeting. Maybe someone mm -hmm. is guiding it to ensure we land somewhere. And then there's, you know, some collaboration, but someone's ensuring we get to something at the end. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing it's really helped me in personally is being aware of my natural tendencies because of my working genius that to an inventor galvanizer, every problem mm -hmm. looks like an idea I need to come up with and get people pumped about. <laughs> and that's Which not is always sometimes what we're doing. really helpful. It's, it's not always what we're doing. <laughs> it's like cake. It's a sometimes food. It's... <laughs> Don't eat cake all the time, just sometimes. So, you know, I love that. It's, so it, it helps me to think about, okay, what meeting am I in right now? And what do I need to be coming to this meeting with? Because if it's a very early phase and we're just throwing stuff out there, great. I can bring that invention all day, every day for so long because it fills me up. So that's why it's in my working genius. But leave the galvanizing at the door. Yeah, because yeah. that idea might need some discernment. We might not be ready to do that yet. Like we are not at the point to be getting people excited about this. And it's also really unhelpful if you're uh, getting people excited about your idea before we've discerned it, because then it'll feel worse when the discernment pokes all the holes because you were trying to get people pumped and then it's like, but we're not doing that at all. So, so you leapfrogged right over discernment. Yes. <laughs> but also if we're in a meeting that is really focused on how we're going to execute on something we've already decided, that's not the meeting to start just throwing ideas out there. 
because yeah, we already my wonder is unhelpful. what we're going to do. Yeah. And same for you. One wonder is yeah. not going to be helpful in that meeting. We already decided that this was worth doing. We've already mapped out a plan for this. So going backwards in phases, just because that happens to be our genius or the fun work for us is not actually helpful. But if you're not aware of that in yourself, if you don't know where your natural bend is and where you need to be showing up in different kinds of meetings, you're going to just do whatever comes the most naturally. And then a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, then we'll play the trump card of like, yeah, but I'm the leader. So we're going to do my thing. Mm, yeah, it's so easy to fall into that, especially when you're one of the few people or the only person with that in your working genius with invention in particular. I think it's hard to not to be at the top of a company, to be in a leadership position, to have the authority to make that judgment call and to let other people discern your ideas. It's a tough balance because it, it requires quite a lot of humility and an ability to hear input that you don't like and know that it's not about you. I think the thing that we pair this with really well is the idea that the best idea should win, not that my idea should win, but the best idea should win. And so when you're able to see the goal as the best idea, not mine, it means that you can accept the discernment. You can accept some of the things that are happening in that change management process that are a little bit more emotionally complicated. <laughs> and and it means that you can value the contributions of other people in a way that I think you can't if you're not focused on what are we trying to accomplish and what am I responsible for in this? Because it's not just making a unilateral decision about something. I need other voices to tell me things. Now, you might still land that your idea is the best idea and it's possible other people won't agree with you. The goal is for at least one person to agree with you. <laughs> like someone should agree with you that it's the best idea. Well, I think that's the thing we talk about a bit. Uh, and it's an idea from Amazon of disagree and commit that we're going to debate yeah. and decide on this idea. If we land at something, we're all committed to it. Now, we happen to yes. be either of a size or all of temperaments or we've been doing this long enough that it tends to be that wherever we land, we kind of all agree with because we've mm -hmm. all spoken into the idea and, you know, and gotten to weigh in in our different ways. And so we kind of tend to land at something we're all committed to, but that won't always be the case, especially yeah. as we continue to grow and, and get more voices in the room. So yeah, sometimes you're going to disagree, but we're still going to commit that at the end of this, we decided that's the best idea, even if it wasn't your favorite idea or the idea that you would have preferred. But I was thinking, even if you don't agree, yeah, we're moving in that direction because we all collectively decided that that's the direction we're moving. And you don't have to agree that that was the best option, but you do have to agree that that's the direction we're going. Yes. And yeah. with me as the leader that happens to have invention in my working genius, I think that idea of the best idea wins is even more important. That would be easy to say as a leader that doesn't have that skill set to go, yeah, best idea, you guys all come up with something and whoever's is the best wins. When, <laughs> when it's the, the person with the highest, you know, position saying the best idea wins, whether or not it's mine, and I'm really good at coming up with ideas, but the best idea is going to win still. That's mm -hmm. even, I think, more impactful, not to pat myself on the back here, but it's- No, you're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> it's not even more impactful. It's more important because it it's would more be important. so easy for me to just say, best idea was mine. Obviously, this is my skill set, but it's not yeah. always mine. And that's even more exciting for me to see other people coming to the table with different kinds of ideas that are better than mine and that mm -hmm. being fostered and celebrated is a big reason why we like models like this that are like, hey, other people will have different skill sets. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has mm -hmm. something to bring to the table. And as much as possible, as much as we can, we want to orient your role towards the kind of work that will bring you the most joy and energy and yes. orient it away from the kind of work that you will find draining. 
we can't do that 100%. No one's is. My role has tenacity work. And sometimes I just got a heads down, power through. But I do know because yeah. tenacity happens to be in my working frustration. Again, worst bookkeeper. But <laughs> but it, it is that awareness that then when I happen to be doing a lot of tenacity work, whether I'm filling in for, you know, any particular needs or, or there just happens to be a space where there's a lot of tenacity work that lands on my plate, I feel it. I feel tired. I feel more burnt out. And so just that awareness of what kind of work is going to bring joy and energy, what kind of work is going to be more draining can help in advocating for yourself and what you need can help in creating different plans for what maybe I'm going to do this for now, but we need to find a better long-term solution because I can't be the ultimate owner of this thing, it will drain me, you know? So it, that, yeah. that self-awareness by having a tool to help you figure something out about yourself is super valuable. It, if you take that in and really start to think about it in your life, I, I, well, I geek out about personality assessment because I'm just obsessed with myself. Uh, clearly that's, that's it. No, I think there's something very human about like doing something like this, getting results and feeling like a part of you is known and understood by this assessment or, you know, by this tool or whatever. And that you now have a better understanding of who you are in the world because of this tool. And I think there's something really impressive about that for how simple of a tool this is. Like that's easy when you're talking about Myers-Briggs and it's a whole like 30 page report of all the things or strengths finder and you've got like 50 strengths and it's like, that's so good. Top 10 is all I need to care about. Cool. Sounds good. But like there's something really simple in a good way about this that makes it feel like it can actually be functional in in a in an environment. I also think it's really functional in personal lives. Like I think for me, I've used it like in my relationships with other people. Like, okay, so I have some thoughts. Do you have space for that? Or like I I want to wonder, can you go there with me? Like I'll I'll say that to someone or like, is discernment helpful right now? I can give you that if that's helpful, but only if it's helpful. <laughs> so like it helps me actually prime other people for like what they need from me and what I can offer. And, and I can ask for what I need from other people in a much more specific way, which lets them know what I'm asking for. And they can say yes or no based on that. But at least it's not just like, hey, can you do me a favor? It's like, no, I need some discernment. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do that. I could totally jump in and discern. It makes it so much easier to say yes when you know what's needed from you in it. Yes. I have found the same in my personal life um, because I forced my husband to take it too. And <laughs> what's his working genius? He is discernment enablement. And I, I do feel like everyone with discernment in their working genius already knew that because <laughs> they already discerned I definitely it. did. <laughs> but it was really helpful for me to recognize some of my own patterns where, you know, he might come with a problem and I start ideating on top of that. And he's already thought of and discerned any of those things. And so mm -hmm. it doesn't actually feel like an emotional deposit to him. It doesn't feel helpful. It feels like, why do you think I'm dumb? And I wouldn't have already thought of all those things. And well, and now I have to be nice to you and make you feel like your ideas were good, but I'm just not going to take them. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, but it's I'm insulted that you think I need them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, taking that step back to go, okay, this might be why some of the patterns are this way. And so what can I be aware of in myself and my natural tendency? What can I be thoughtful of in that other person's natural strengths and what they might already have done and what they might actually want from me in this scenario versus what I assume they want from me because I can do it. Mm -hmm. So just asking a lot more questions. I think a lot more like, oh, what are you, what are you planning on doing about that? Like you tell me, or are you looking for any solutions or are you already good with how you're going to tackle that? Like, yeah, you know, just taking a step back and, and trying to be a little bit more intentional 
in the way that I'm interacting with others that they might not necessarily just want me to invent or galvanize all over everything all the time. Yeah, that's so real. And I I know we've had this conversation several times about like, that's not what they're looking for. Like that's, this is not what's needed in this conversation. And I think one of the best ways to circumvent that is to just ask questions because I, it's so easy for me to assume that discernment is what's needed because I'm going to enjoy that and it's going to be easy for me. And I'm going to slip right into that seat and we're all going to have a great time and we're going to go on my journey. But if that's not actually what you're looking for, how do you even tell me that? And it's so awkward. And what if I'm your boss and you have to tell me that? Like, that's a totally different dynamic. And so I think if you start with an intention to understand the other person and what they want and need in this from you, it makes a huge difference for being able to support people well. If all you need is a sounding board, I'm not going to bring any of my working genius to this. I'm just going to listen. If what you need is someone to like poke holes in it, like if I have discernment, I'm the right person to ask. If that's in my frustration and it's going to actually almost kill me if I discern your ideas and I might die out of, you know, whatever pain that brings up in me, like, then maybe I'm not the best person to do that. So, like, knowing mine and knowing yours, I know that I'm not going to go to you for something tenacity and you're not going to go to me for something tenacity. I mean, unless we must. Unless we must, (laughs) in which case... Both of us know what's happening and neither, neither of us is going to complain. Yeah. Again, Do your this best. is not about. <laughs> I got some tenacity yeah. work for you. <laughs> yeah. This is not about this being now you only get to do work you love. It's really about that self-awareness. And I think, you know, you say this all the time. The best leader is a self-aware leader. Like that is the best kind of leader you can possibly be. And it makes a big difference for just being able to encourage and empower your team to be as much as they could be if you give space for that difference. And I think the working genius is such a simple and easy model to be able to give space for that difference. Yes. Well, and we've tended to lean towards, you know, towards talking about the way that this functions with our working genius. I think someone with enablement in their working genius would jump to how they can help would be mm-hmm. that kind of like, oh, oh, you're expressing a problem here. Let me help you. And I think tenacity would be like, oh, I could just do that. You know, uh, maybe there's more nuance to that. I'm sure you ET people out there can uh, can give me <laughs> more insight, um, which I would love. But, you know, whatever your particular bend is, there's going to be a natural way that you respond. I think especially when someone brings you a problem. Mm. And so thinking about what can I bring to this issue that is actually what that person is looking for from me, whether it's a sounding board. I mean, whether it's just asking like, Hey, you know, I can see that you're struggling. Do you want to just talk to me about it? Are you looking for any input? I'm cool either way. I just want to make sure I'm showing up for you. Mm -hmm. Cause this is not about me. And as soon as I, as soon as I start discerning without your permission or you asking me to, like, I'm just going to push all of that attention to me. Or if, you know, for your example with your husband, like if he's coming to you with a problem that he's already discerned multiple things around and you're skipping back to ideation, it is going to be a frustrating encounter and you will hit your head against that wall over and over again when that's not what's being asked for. That's not what's needed in this circumstance. It's going to be a lot easier to have that question when you just ask the question of what you actually need from me in this first, because if what you need from me is something totally different, I want to be able to show up in that way. And it may, it it keeps it from, it keeps you from inadvertently making someone else's problem about you, which I think is like really easy to do without knowing it. So this is a very nice way to keep that other person, the hero of the story. Yes. Are you just looking for me to say that sucks? Sorry about that. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes. Or are you looking for more than that? I'm happy to do more, but I want to be the kind of person that people would want to share things with knowing that I will meet them where they're at and, Hmm. and care enough 
to shift what I'm doing to show up for them and what they need from me, not just show yes. up in my preferred way, because that's yes. what I do. Yep. Because if it's that, then I'm just going to show up with jokes and booze because that is my preferred <laughs> way to show up to any problem. I've got jokes and alcohol. What else do you need? Is it ideas? Because I'll also do that. <laughs> I can also do those. Could we be drinking while doing it? Because that's a great idea. And jokes happening simultaneously <laughs> is the perfect combo. <laughs> it's all. And then I'll just moonwalk finger guns away and let you handle your own problem. Everyone good? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Did we do it collectively? <laughs> I think we did it. <laughs> so... I do love that this model helps in self-awareness for every single person on our team. I think for us, especially because especially. We, we did this several years ago. So this has been a model we've been using and talking about and kind of incorporated in just to our vernacular um, for several years now to where it feels very normal to us and probably sounds really weird to someone just stepping in. But, mm -hmm. you know, they get used to it. Um, so <laughs> they get used to how weird we are. They would have to anyway. So here's another <laughs> way. Um, but, but in general, any kind of tool like this that is going to help you understand yourself, that's going to help you understand other people, it's going to help you talk about work in ways that feel neutral and also celebrating what different people are bringing to the table and an awareness of the kinds of work that will bring people joy and fulfillment and, and be really like impactful for them versus the kind of work that will be harder for them, that will be more of a struggle, that will feel more like an ask, then you can start to situate people into roles that they will thrive in. You know, someone who loves checking the box might not be the person who's going to love interacting with clients or vice versa. Someone who loves, you know, the human side of things might not be the person who's going to love doing all the box checking work. The more that you can figure those kinds of things out and in a way that feels not too intrusive, it feels, you know, still relatively neutral to say, hey, can you take this assessment? Because we want to get to know you and we want to know these things about you so that as we're figuring out both your role today and also what your growth path might be, we want to take into account the kind of work you might really like doing because it's life-giving to you versus the kind of work that's going to make you want to flip the table because it's yeah. draining and exhausting. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We hope you will keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good.